All right, dude. I hope this. Uh, I'm silently hoping that this works out okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I'm hoping on my pages end. Oh, there it is. I'm gonna share it right now. This is cool. How do I sound? Do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound great. Perfect, dude. Thanks for doing this. First of all, this is kind of cool. Yeah, I like this. This is pretty awesome. I, uh, yeah, wasn't uh, I wasn't totally sure how this was gonna work, but I am happy with the results so far. Let me yeah. see. I'm just gonna share it to my personal Facebook page, and we'll get the show on the road. A live Q and A. Listen, man, I don't know if anybody's gonna comment on anything, but throughout this whole entire show, if you guys have questions, uh, type them in the chat. It should show up on uh, on our end, and then uh, you have. Chris, why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm Chris Madden from Paragon Home Loans. Um, you know, we're right here in Syracuse. We're a family-run company. Um, we are a banker, so we have uh, about 14 different lenders that we work with across the country. Um, have lenders locally, uh, so that allows us to kind of shop around for rates. Um, and the great thing with us too is, you know, everything's right house. So processing, underwriting, closing, we're all right in house. We're not going to ship your file off to another city or something like that and you know me my myself the loan officer is with you the whole the whole time so any questions or anything like that i'm not going to pass you off to someone else you know i'll be there with you until right through closing perfect and that's why i like working with you because you every step of the way you have helped my clients get to the finish line which is the closing table right right and yeah. uh look at that right off the bat i got donna jordan what's up donna can we ask questions absolutely this is uh it's a live Q&A, so anything that you guys type in, we can answer live. But we also came prepared with questions, which one of the questions I came prepared with, Chris, was what is the difference between Paragon versus like another bank, like say, uh, like Key Bank or M&T Bank? Sure, yeah. So it's kind of like what I mentioned a little bit, you know, with a depository bank, you know, like um, like a Key Bank or, or you know, or, uh, Empower or anything like that. You know, you're gonna be there. They can only offer certain things, right? Like, so they have to fit you in there, what their boxes are, what their products are. Um, the di kind of difference with us is, like I mentioned, we have 14 different lenders across the country who um, might have different loan products for different people. Um, you know, hey, Cliff. Um, you know, we we, we can we can kind of um, customize the loan product to fit the borrower. Right, like it's not all just a cookie carter, like twenty percent down, this is all we offer, ten percent down, this is all we offer. We offer the full breadth of government loans, you know, up to down to zero percent down, um, twenty percent downs, and then the kind of the quirky products, right? Like the ten one arms and that kind of thing. So um the difference I haven't even touched. What's that? All the arms and stuff, all the, I, I've never touched any of that stuff. Yeah, you know, those aren't super popular right now just because interest rates are so low. Um, mm. when interest rates start taking up on 30 year, they become a little bit more popular. Um, mm. gotcha. But, gotcha. But, you know, the biggest difference again with us is, you know, everything is right in house with us. Um, and we can kind of customize a loan to fit some, a specific borrower's need. That's the big thing. Yeah. Right. And especially the, some of the banks, correct me if I'm wrong, they can, like you said, only offer X amount of programs, or maybe they don't want to offer a certain program. With your company, you guys work with multiple banks, right? You guys are like a secondary mortgage company, basically. Is that how it works? 
No, so what, yeah, look, in a way, we we work with you know, like you have the, the big national lenders, right? And you know, a one bank, let's say they have certain, we call them overlays, right? So let's say they only work with someone whose credit score is above six eighty, and they have to work with someone who makes a certain amount of money, right? Like they they fit like a specific product. Where for me, I can go to anybody across, like the Mr. Coopers or the Wells Fargo's or those big banks. Um, and I can put them into a certain product that they offer um, that might be a lot different than, you know, the depository bank. Gotcha. And it's, it's a little more customizable. It's, yeah, right, right. You guys offer, you guys have a better buffet, better spread, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. You know, exactly. Like we kind of have a different, we have a, a, a pretty much any loan product you can probably think of in the residential world, you know, we we offer it. Gotcha. That's cool. And do you guys only do local business or if there's somebody listening or watching the future that's out of state and they hear you, do you guys also do that? Or do you only focus on Syracuse business? So we're actually licensed in the state. So as long as it's in New York state, we are able to lend to that person. Okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, We are the, the company I work for is also licensed in Pennsylvania. I myself am not licensed in Pennsylvania. So if someone was, you know, out of state looking in Pennsylvania, for example, I would have to give them to another loan officer in our company that's like there. Oh, uh, gotcha. Do you have like a bunch of other banks like in your referral system? Is that how, like, do you guys have like a referral system to branch out to maybe somebody that you have a good reputation with out of state? Um, I I personally don't because I haven't really come in, come across that. Yeah, um, it seems like I, a very niche thing. Yeah, like I, I know like other like, you know, banks that are around there. I, I would always like, like, let's say you're, let's say you're retired and you're looking in Florida as like a second home, right? It's probably beneficial for you to work with somebody who's actually down in that market because again, they might have a product that's a little bit different for people who specialize, who, like, who look for specifically second homes because right. it's such a popular market for them down there. A lender down, down there might have something that's, you know, a really beneficial offer or, or fits fit someone's needs that is looking for that second home because maybe they're retired, right? It's a different, different kind of market. Yeah. Right. Totally different, different feel. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? All right. Here's a good one. So if I'm a current homeowner, when is a good time to look at refinancing your house and what does refinancing mean? Well, it depends on what your goals are. Um, you know, I can tell you, it, it depends on, you know, what is your interest rate, right? And what your goals are. If, if you're staying in your house and your interest rate, let's say it's like four and a half percent and you're planning on staying there and you're in a 30 year loan, you know, right off the bat, it tells me you probably want to get into a 15 year to shorten your term at an interest rate that's at, at, at currently well below 3%, mm -hmm. um, probably right around two and a half percent, to be honest. That's um, crazy. Right. Is that so really, that's, that's like the average low right now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're two points below what you're currently have on a 30 year and you can shave that amount of time off your mortgage, um, it's super, it's, it's huge, yeah. right? You can save so much on interest. Yeah. Um, on that, and now that would be just a rate term. Now the other, other thing that's when I talk about goals, like what are your goals? If someone wants to pull cash out and I have someone doing this right now, they want to pull cash out of their, of their house and they're, they're switching to a 15 year, but they want to pull cash out to go find an investment property. Mm. So people are sitting on all this equity 
and they want to put the money to work for them. They want to use put the equity to work for them. So they might find, you know, two family or four family, whatever it may be, pull cash out of their primary, get a great rate, and then use the, those funds to find an investment property. Or maybe it's just to add on or update your house, finish the basement, whatever it may be. Gotcha. So it's it's kind of a loaded question. It depends on what the person's goals are and you know what they're trying to achieve. Dude, that's how it is when you're working with a like a buyer, right? Like when you're working with a buyer, you got to figure out what their goals are. Like, right. yeah, you got approved for two fifty, but is that is that your max? Is that going to make you house poor? Can you is the house of your dreams in that price range? There's a lot of things that go into it. I right. like, I like how you said that it's a it's like a conversation, right? It's like a what are your it's goals? A lot of, it's a lot of back and forth. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, what are your goals? What are you trying to do with the equity? Are you just trying to do a rate term refinance and not pull anything out? Or right. are you trying to do a cash out and, you know, use the equity to, like I said, update your house or get into investment property? Right. Uh, let's see. So typical rates right now, they probably vary between program to program, right? I mean, but they're historically low, right? Yes. I mean, yes. like crazy low. Yeah, and they've and they've definitely you know they've ticked up a little bit in the past month or so to be honest, um, but still like extremely low like that. We're, I mean, we're not used to this 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 these low rates and you know refis yeah. are coming. It's definitely affecting the buyer pool. The buyer pool's huge because more people can afford more house. Yeah, right. Because when that interest rate slides down, their mortgage rate is a little bit cheaper, and yeah. they they're what's in their pocket goes a little bit farther. Right. And I, and I, we were talking about this, the, the video I made um, uh, was like a week or so ago. Um, but basically I, I, I did one house that let's say it sold in 2019 or whatever it was for 150,000. And that same house sold today for 165,000, you know, the interest rates back then were probably, you know, 4% somewhere around there. And I did it based on today's rates and basing on today's rates, that person, even though they paid $15,000 more was actually their mortgage payment was $50 less. So uh, it just kind of shows you what the interest rates have on someone's buying power and, and their actual mortgage payment. That's insane. Isn't that wild? Yeah. What a weird, what a weird market we're in right now. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just buyers have to do some crazy things to make stuff happen yep. because it's like even so I was looking at the numbers just before we hopped on the uh, homes for sale right now, all through February of 2021, Onondaga County, single family houses, uh, meaning just one unit, all bedroom sizes, basically any house that's at least single family in Onondaga, only 626 houses available for February of 2021. Isn't that Holy wild? Holy cow. February, what was it? Uh, 626 now, February, 2020, 996. So it's like a crazy drop. You're seeing less and less houses on the market right now. What is it now? Is that that's current, right? Corey? Yeah. Yeah. What was it historically? Like, what was it compared to like last year or like 2019? So here you go. Feb I'm only looking at for just the one month, right? So February, 2018, Onondaga County. 1300 houses, 1300 plus houses, right? Then you fast forward to 2019, right? We'll go to February 2019, 1100, close to 1200 houses. Then so you go February 2020. Then we go 996 to last month, 626. That's like 
that is cut in half from in 20- half. Isn't that insane? Wow. Available wow. houses for sale, literally cut in half from just three years ago. Yeah. That's it's crazy. I know. Right. That's, that's kind of, that's wild. I was just looking at that right before we hopped on because I was like, Ooh, if somebody asked me that question, I didn't want to make sure I got that ready to rock. Yeah. <laughs> I got so, a question here. I got a question here. Uh, on a primary, what is typically max loan to value? I can expect on a cash out. Um, I, we have resources. We can go up to 90% loan to value. Um, so that's kind of what you can expect. Um, okay. Meaning, okay. explain that again. Say that again one more time. So let's say let's say uh, your house is worth $100,000. We can go up to 90%, so $90,000. Oh, to refinance? Refi. Ooh, that's nice. Oh, here you go. Here's one from uh, my buddy Cliff. Is there a specific credit range you look for at Paragon? Um, My guess would be to qualify for a loan only because I just talked to Cl- Cliff like yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So the minimum, minimum credit score we can work with is 620 right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that, will that affect how much you get pre before? Like if somebody was on that lower end and yeah, it'll certainly affect like what like loan product we call them like conventional versus FHA. If you're on that lower end, um, you're, you're, you're going to likely have to go uh, FHA. Okay. Yeah. And FHA in this kind of market, you kind of just have to plan accordingly. Uh, you kind of just have to make sure you have a solid game plan if you're FHA, because with FHA, that comes with a more strict bank inspection, right? Yep. Uh, and then Cliff with a follow-up question. If I wanted to buy a house by the fall of 2021, how early should I call you to get pre-approved for a loan? That's a great question. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I would say, I mean, have the conversation sooner rather than later. I mean, we can certainly have the conversation this spring to let's see like what your financial picture is um, and see, you know, where you are in your credit. Let's see where you are in your and your assets and that kind of thing. Um, I, w- I always say like the sooner, the better. And, and that kind of like gets your roadmap laid out for the fall. So that way you're prepared, especially in this market. You need to be able to act like very fast. Yeah. And I, to piggyback off what you said, Chris, I think it's important sooner than later to get pre-approved. Um, very much so because if there's a hiccup or maybe your credit's lower than you thought, at least you're going to have time to make that adjustment. Right. And I know I've had, I've sent clients to you that have had some credit issues and you've even given some point tips and pointers on, you know, things they can do to improve mm-hmm. their credit by, by a certain time frame to try to get them geared up ready to rock um yeah i do i do a lot of credit repair and and it's it's a lot of you know making sure maybe it's your credit cards that you have to pay down not necessarily pay them off but just pay them down so you're not using all much of the your usage rate is lower Um, right you know it's that kind of let me see Here's here's a question i got a question for you Corey. so we talked about like fha and inspection stuff like that and i think the biggest thing right now are you seeing like do people need a home inspection that is a tough question, right? Because as a real estate agent, I never want to tell you don't get a home inspection because if something happens, you know, down the road, then I'm going to look like a schmuck, right? Like I, I just wanted the quickest sale, but my job as a real estate agent is also to kind of help you strategize for the market. And the market right now is a, just a lot of buyers waving home inspection. And it's, these buyers that have been looking for like a year, a year and a half, and 
going back to like only 600 houses on the market for February last month. These people are scrambling for houses. So they're, I call it when you wave a home inspection, it's like your Hail Mary, right? It's like mm-hmm. your last ditch effort. You're trying to, you just love the house so much. And that's what you want when we're going to go up against, you know, 10 other offers. Like that's, that's pretty crazy to say that there's consistently like 10 plus offers happening yeah. on, on houses. And we, as agents don't get to know what our competition is that we're going against, which is, which is pretty wild. But that's a great question. I I always tell my my clients that it's based on your needs. Like if you feel more comfortable getting a home inspection, you can do it. But there's some things that we can do. Maybe it's a maybe we're doing a pass or fail home inspection where we tell the seller up front that we're not going to ask for any credits or corrections for the home inspection findings. Or maybe we word it that you're not going to ask them for any repairs up to two thousand dollars or something in repairs, mm-hmm. you know. So there's different ways you could word it to kind of help you get a home inspection. But the, the plain truth is more people are waiving inspections, which makes me, it makes my stomach churn a little bit because it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. Could, could someone waive the home and like not do it like non-contingent on the home inspection, but like have the home inspection done. But yeah, if something comes up, like at least like they, like they're buying it as is right. But like, they want to know what as is, is. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's what I like about uh, doing like a pass or fail home inspection, because at least it's just like, Hey, look, we're just going to say thumbs up, thumbs down. We're only looking for a scary monster in the basement that I'm mm-hmm. quoting Donna Jordan, by the way, she always says scary monster in the basement um, to basically push us away from the sale. Just because listen, this is the biggest purchase of this person's life. You know what I mean? This is, you're not going to drop $150,000 in your life or take out a loan for that much. You know what I mean? Like that's a, it's a substantial moment for somebody especially when they're buying a house. Um, But the craziness of this market that people are waving it because they're going in 10 offers. They love the house. They've been looking for a year. They've had heartbreak after heartbreak. And that's when you see them finally give up and say something. Yeah. And it's, it's tough too, because they have to, it's, it's like forces them to put their absolute best foot forward. Right. And it can be a little bit scary, especially when they have an inspection. Right. And not like also match that with, you know, a house comes on the market Wednesday, showing start Friday, the offers due Sunday, you send me the house by the time you send it to me, Friday, Saturday is completely booked up, right? Mm. Then Sunday, I get you in in the morning, like say 10 a.m. And then they want offers by 5 p.m. So that literally gives you like four hours, hey, to make a decision on the biggest purchase of your life. Oh, also, are you going to waive your home? But like, that's, it's a lot of pressure that hits buyers at once, but yeah. If you prep them ahead of time, that that conversation goes a lot smoother, at least in yeah. in my professional opinion. Sure. Um, a, a Cliff also asked, "Is conventional mortgage available for seven fifty to eight fifty? Oh, absolutely. Credit yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a Cliff, great. That, you, yes. Cliff, you got like perfect credit score. Are you waving it over here, dude? Come on. That's a great score. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, nah, I'm just giving you a range. No big deal. No big deal." <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I would actually encourage that person to go conventional. Right. And if you are conventional in this type of market, it's only going to help you stand out from the crowd because then the seller has to worry about one less bank inspection. You know what I mean? So what, what types of loans does Paragon offer? Like conventional, obviously FHA and Mm -hmm. VA, obviously. Right. Yep. And, uh, USDA. 
USDA. So we do all, okay. all the government ones, VA, FHA, USDA, and then all the conventional ones. Um, gotcha. All, and then what, those, what's but, the difference between a conventional loan and a FHA and VA, USDA? So like FHA is that's probably the most popular one for first-time home buyers, like in a normal market. Um, that allows for six percent in seller concessions. So what a seller concession is is essentially like the seller can help contribute to your closing costs, and those that money gets wrapped into the loan. So for example, on a hundred thousand dollar purchase price, six percent seller concessions is six grand. So the purchase price actually becomes one hundred six thousand dollars. So it really helps that that first-time home buyer who might not have a ton of cash to close. Um, it really helps them on that end. Um, and then on conventional, the minimum is, is 5% down. Um, you know, you can have 3% star concession. So that might be someone who has maybe a better credit score, um, you know, a little bit more money on hand. Um, you know, and there, and there is, you know, MI, there's mortgage insurance on the 5% down. Um, same with FHA, uh, USDA, um, that is specific to like rural areas. So and it's there's a inspection, right? Yep. Yep. Everything. Yeah. All the government ones are going to be, are going to be the same in terms of the inspection. Um, but mm -hmm. USDA is specific for like rural areas. Um, and there's a property eligibility website that you can go to USDA's website. You can just like, if someone, you know, finds a house that they love and they want to go USDA, they can just type in the address and it just spits it off. If it's eligible or not. Yeah. Uh, so you just got to make sure you're in that area. Yeah, that website is great. That really yep. helps me out when I'm going to throw up a, a listing too, and I'm not sure if it falls on that boundary line or not. What's, what's, what's kind of funny about it is like, I was surprised at some of the areas that it is eligible in, um, especially in like, like Phoenix area or like out towards like Auburn. Um, like just outside the city of Auburn, like there's a couple of, there's a lot of spots that are eligible. Oh. Which was interesting. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't so, had a chance to really do business out in Auburn yet. Yeah. So if you're concerned, always check because I, I you'd be surprised at what's eligible and what's not. Yeah. For sure. Especially with that. And, map, and obviously right. VAs that's, that's for veterans. You have to have, you know, time in the military. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> here's a good, this is an age old question, right? This is like, this is something you get taught in your first mortgage class, right? What's the difference between, pre-approval and pre-qualified yep so pre-qualified um basically just means i pulled your credit your credit looks okay you told me what your income was um you told me what your assets were but i didn't verify anything right so i didn't i didn't look at your statements i didn't look at you look at your pay stub so qualification is just that like you just told me and i'm going off your word um, even though I'm, I'm not going off what you're telling your credit score is because I'm pulling that myself. Um, where pre-approval is I basically verify everything. You know, you send me your bank statements, you sent me your pay stubs. Um, that's kind of the biggest difference. And for anybody listening, if you are in a multiple offer situation, that pre-approval letter is going to be stronger, right? Because that's, that's the letter where Chris verified all of yep. your assets and made sure that everything in writing is great. And it's, it's happened where sometimes you get a pre-qualification letter, the loan gets to processing. And then they're like, wait a second, you're $10,000 short than where, where you were making, yeah. where, where's that money come from? And then you're like, Oh, maybe I gave you the wrong number. And then the deal falls apart. But like yep. that, that has happened before. Right. But at and least 
Yeah, yep. right. You start scrambling right before the closing table. So it's nice when you're pre-approved that you're also telling the seller when you put in an offer, hey, look, everything's been verified. I'm ready to rock. This is like set in stone. Let's let's party. Let's get the thing rolling. Rather right. than pre-qualified, it's just that just everything's just hearsay, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's not to say like a pre-qual is, you know, weak or anything like that. You know, it's just pre-approval is obviously stronger. Right. Like, cause I verify everything, you know, I always, right. I always try and ask for everything up front. Um, try and get a full picture of what, what I'm working with, especially with a prequel. Yep. Hey, here you go. Look, my wife just asked, how does yep. student loan debt affect what you can be approved for? Because my wife definitely wants us to buy a new house. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So like everybody's loans are in deferment right now. Right, so there's no, you're not making a monthly payment on it. Um, so in that case, when they're they when they are like that, we have to use one percent of the student loan balance. So you have, I just use round numbers, a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. I have to use a thousand dollars against you per month against you. Mm -hmm. right. Gotcha. My my wife's upstairs, and she's probably like, we need to get pre-approved for a new house, Corey. I can hear. Her. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> let's see let's see what else i got i got a question um, so what is the earnest money deposit and how much should the earnest money deposit be nice i like that so earnest money deposit is a check that gets put in with your purchase contract is basically giving the seller like you're backing the contract with money you write a check for howard hannah or for whatever, however your brokerage handles the, the system. Um, and uh, I take that check, it gets accepted, we put it in an escrow account. Escrow account is a very fancy term for a hands-off bank account, right? Meaning like Howard Hand is not using that bank account to pay for pizza parties or office party, whatever. It's a hands-off account that basically right at the closing table, you're going to get that that money back to use down towards uh, your closing costs. And in this multiple offer crazy market that we're in right now. Um, that's like one little piece of the purchase contract that can make your offer look a little bit more sexy, right? When I sit down with a buyer and I'm going through the whole purchase contract, it's like obviously the purchase price, right? That's the big piece because everybody wants to know what they get paid, right? But then there's all these little like intricate pieces that go into a purchase offer, like what your down payment is. The more you put down, the less worry there's going to be for an appraisal issue, right? It also shows the seller you have all this money down. You're a really qualified buyer. You're ready to rock and roll, right? Then you have the earnest money deposit check. How much do you want to put down for that? You could do 2000 You could do 1000 I mean, if there's no other offers and I'm just writing a standard purchase offer, I usually do like about 1000 But if we're up against 10 other offers, hey, what are you comfortable with? Are you comfortable with 2000 3000 4000 Remember, you're... You're not going to lose that money unless you back out a week before the closing table, right? If you know you love this house and if the home inspection goes awry and you find the scary monster, you can pull from the deal and you get your earnest money deposit back, you know? Um, for other times like that, you probably would have to talk to an attorney on who gets the earnest money deposit check. But it's all, all these key points of information that go into a purchase contract and making it the sexiest possible offer. And 
My wife says, uh, luckily I've been paying on my student loans. So thank you. Go. God. That just means we can afford more of a house. Right, babe? <laughs> <laughs> She's creeping. I love it. Uh, all right. What is your average loan processing time, Chris? Oh, man. That's that's tough. Uh, I that's would tough say, one. yeah, you know, to get to the closing table, you know, 40, 45 days, something like that usually. Um, you know, I will tell you, you know, back last year when it was, things were crazy, you know, over the summer and whatnot, it was probably longer than that. Um, but you know, the way it, it's funny, like we're all incentivized to try and get, to get the bank, the, to get the file bank cleared within 30 days or less. That's, that's our, we're incentivized to do that. So our, my goal is to get my borrow the borrower there to the you know dinner table, quote unquote, first, and then let's wait for everyone. The right, dinner like, table. I always say that line. Yeah, like we want to get there first and let's have everyone else show up. Let's and usually you're waiting on like sellers like the title work, right? That's always like the last piece. But it's weird because like with all the technology and advances in technology in the in the real estate industry, closing has still take usually takes the same amount of time. Yeah. You know? Sixty so. days. My buddy, we closed on his house here in New York and it was over sixty days. Uh the buyer had some trouble getting some paperwork english was their second language so they had a really hard time like trying to figure out what paperwork the bank needed so it kind of overhung the 60 days he moves to florida florida can close like dude in less than 30 days yeah so they're a title company state so they just yeah. like yeah it's super nice yeah Pennsylvania's i'm talking too. to the agent down there and i'm like wow that must be nice 30 days that's it and she goes only people at the closing table me the buyers and the title company that's it like, man that's crazy <laughs> yeah it's yeah. awesome i know right isn't that wild and every state is has different uh real estate procedures and practices in if you're listening to this later this will be a podcast uh released tomorrow as well as a youtube video uh if you're local and listening it's usually how real estate is practiced but if it's like in florida you, you might have to talk to a real estate professional down there because obviously how business is handled all throughout the United States is just a little different, which is weird because even how we do business here in Syracuse, it's also different in like New York city. Mm. It's, just, it's just how it is. That's just how real estate is, which is yeah. weird. Weird to say. Yeah. We're like two different States essentially. And yeah, I know we might as well be right. We might as well yeah. be. Um, I got, here's a, here's one. Um, what happens if I find a house, but you're also the listing agent? Can, oh, you that's still, a great can, I, can I still work with you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so dual agency, personally, how I feel about it, getting paid double commissions, great, right? Like as an agent, that's that's a beautiful thing. But for me personally, I don't feel comfortable with it because my duty, if I'm working as a dual agent, the realtor code of ethics, I need to always withhold the seller's best interest, right? And if I also have a buyer in that transaction, it makes that job really hard because I can't coach the buyer against the seller. Everything the seller says to me is in confidence, right? And in, in confidentiality, I can't disclose that information to the buyer. So it makes it a little difficult, but I always propose it to both people, to the seller and buyer. I say, look, this is what happened. So I have a buyer who's interested in your house. They they want to purchase the house. Um, now I'm going to give you guys both the option. 
I could either help the buyer write the purchase contract. And I can't really coach them. I remember Mr. Seller, I cannot disclose the, the information where you said that you would take a lower offer than list price or something. I'll just use that example. Um, I can't disclose that information. Everything you say is in private, but I can submit an offer and put it into you guys. If you're comfortable with that, if you're not, I have a lot of talented people in my office uh, that would love to represent that buyer. Um, that's probably what I would do more times than not. People are really cool when you're upfront and honest with them like that. Usually nine times out of 10, they say, I'm cool with that. You could, you could write both sides, but I just, it makes my job really tough as an agent to, to do be a dual agent. It just makes me, it makes me nervous. I yeah. almost like my three and a half years or three years I've been doing, it, I not once have done a dual agency deal because for the fact that it just makes me a little nervous because yeah. I just so want to make really, sure. It's really a Go judgment on. call for you guys then, right? Yeah. Like, and like, yeah, totally. And like, if I was in that position, I would just give my, both the buyer and the seller, the situation, let them know and let them make the decision that they're comfortable with. Ultimately, if they said they were both comfortable with dual agency, I would probably be like, Oh, I don't know if I like this. Jen Hall from Howard Hamlet. Hey, Jen, do you want to represent a buyer? I, I have somebody that I will be great for you or some, anybody in my office and they would take care of it really well. Just because I think you get a better, a better service that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Great cool and someone truly looking out for your interest, right? Like, yeah, correct. And that's what, that's like when people talk about like on, uh, Say Zillow, you see a house listed, you call a listing agent and you want them to see the house that you got to remember that listing agent is completely working for the seller. So anything that you, you tell that listing agent, they're going to run back and tell, tell their seller. Right. So it's super important, especially in this market, make sure you have a buyer's agent representing you and you're not just using a listing agent and just going through each listing agent. Um, just because you're never going to get a great, a great, service and a great quality service that you that you should get as a buyer you know what i mean sure damn i love that question i love that because dual yeah. agency is just one of those things that's so intricate and everybody handles it just a little bit differently yeah, but different. there are new york state laws that we have to disclose to you guys that if you guys are in a potential dual agency position we have to disclose it to you and make sure you guys are aware of the situation you're in because if there's a form for it there was probably a lawsuit at one point right yeah <laughs> So they're like, let's make a form for it. Yeah. Chris, what's an appraisal and what is it for exactly? So an appraisal has to get done. It is a re it's a bank requirement. Um, and what it is, is it's a total third party. I can't pick the appraiser. I have, I don't even know who it, who's picking it up. It's total round robin random. Um, well, what it does is it just puts a, it's a value on the house, right? So it protects, really protects the bank and it protects you. Um, to, to find like, you know, what, what's the value that what's this house truly worth? You know, so that's, we were talking earlier before we jumped on about housing prices kind of going up and, you know, with appraisal issues. And if it comes in under, if it, if it comes in under, let's say you bought the house for 150, but it appraised at 140, well, we kind of have to renegotiate the contract or, you know, yeah, a little bit of a headache. For sure. Yes. Certain, yeah. I explain it this way to my buyers. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. I hope I'm not explaining this wrong, but it's basically, it's like a way for the bank to know that they're not giving you 
$150,000 for a house that's really worth 80,000. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. It's Absolutely. like you said, like it's almost like an insurance policy. Yeah. It was like, we just want to make sure everything's gravy and they're not giving you too much money. Right. Well, and, and the <laughs> bank, like we want to make sure we're not giving you a ton of money, but the house yeah. is really worth 80. Right. Right. Like, kind of right. Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Is I got one here, Corey. Um, hold on, let's see. Let me scroll through my Instagram here. I have a chance here. Let's see. Live oh, on the gram, baby. Let's see. How's buying process? I'm gonna throw that how right is, down. How is how is the buying process changed with COVID? Oh, that's a good question. So with uh, with COVID on a buying process, that's great. At the height of when this first broke literally like a year ago, we couldn't show houses for at least a couple months. And it was all like to our phone. I had to do a video walkthrough, right? Or the seller would take a video walkthrough and would share it to the buyer. Um, for me, the way that my business has changed since COVID is I used to always do like a buyer, uh, I would call a buyer consultation meeting where I would kind of just go over some things, uh, show you, Real Scouts, like Howard Hanna's um, home search tools, almost like Zillow, but called Zillow and steroids. Um, figure out kind of what your needs and wants are in a house. Uh, figure out what your budget is, what's out there for that price, uh, right? I would all do that on the first meeting. Get to know you. Like if you're a realtor.com person who just messaged me, I want to meet you in the office and make sure you're not going to capture me and put me in your basement for six months. You know what I mean? So I'd meet in the office, right? But now uh, with the wonderful age of technology, I can do it just like this in a virtual space. I can share my screen, show you different slides and stuff like that. So for me as a buyer, working with a buyer, I basically do this online. We can do showings now, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, I just got to wear your mask and not touch everything. Other than that, it's pretty gravy. We just got to... Uh, Got to make sure we keep touching to a to a minimum, pretty much. Gotcha. Let's see. Let's see. I'm gonna go through. I guess I'm scrolling through some more questions here. This is great. This is really sweet. I like this. Here, here's another one for you, Corey. What gets included in the sale of the house? Do appliances come with it? Oh, that's a totally case by case basis. So depending on if the seller wants to leave the stuff or not. Um, here, let's do this. Share my screen here. Let me see. All right, so let's take a look at my listing on Route 31. So Route 31 appliances dishwasher dryer microwave oven refrigerator washer i don't know if you guys can see that but on each listing it'll tell you if it comes with it and there's also like private remarks that are on uh listings that might even say hey the sellers will leave the freezer in the garage for the next buyers so it's a total case by case basis. Um, definitely want to make sure when you write the purchase contract, or if you're sitting down to write an offer, you want to see what's involved and what's not, because you don't want to write the purchase offer and then 
do your final walkthrough, and then you find out you have no appliances in the house and you didn't budget for it because that would suck. Uh, great question. Here you go. So when you get pre-qualified, you got to run a credit track, right? Yep. Will that hurt my credit score? Uh, it'll ding it by like two points and then it always resets, mm. right? Because you're not taking any debt out. Um, so when you do a credit check, you know, if, if you're shopping around, you know, you always kind of want to, if, if you pull credit within a certain period of time, I think it's 14 days, whatever it is, um, it won't hurt it. But if you pull it once and then it'll, it always resets. So I, people always get concerned, like, are you going to hurt my credit score? You know, it'll ding it by maybe two points. Um, that's usually two or three points. And then it always resets. And the credit bureau is to update every 30 to 45 days. So after a month or so, you're going to go right back to where you were. Gotcha. And what if what if there's somebody who's shopping around for mortgage rates? If they're going to you and then they get a credit track and then say they go to Empower, is there a certain limit to how many they should be doing or is that not, not a smart idea? There's no limit. I actually always encourage people to shop around. Um, you know, you always want to see like what else is out there. Um, right. It, it's not going to... Yeah, it's not going to hurt your credit. Like if you're, if you're pulling it on like in one week, let's say you pull it, you go to Empower on a Monday and you come to me on Wednesday, it's not going to kill your score. If you like, you know, have it pulled like three times in, in one week, three times the next week and three times again, like that'll hurt your score. Yeah, right, right. Um, that was great. Uh, so if I get, if I wanted to get pre-approved by you, Mr. Madden, mm -hmm. what would be the first steps? The first step, uh, to just call me, um, uh, call me, text me or email me. Um, what I would do is ask you your name, date of birth, social security number. I'd ask you a few more questions. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd pull credit. And if you're, if let's say you have a fiance or wife or girlfriend or whoever it is, it's going on alone with you. I'll need that same information from them. So if you both have it, we can have the conversation right then and there. If not, and you guys want to kind of fill out the app together, I always direct people to my website and there's a button there. They can click on, you know, application and um, they can fill out all the information themselves. I'll put credit and um, we'll hop back on the phone again and kind of talk about, you know, what the best option is for you. Oh, it's a, it's a really quick, quick, quick and painless process. Let me see. And just so people who are watching at home can see, Please ignore all the tabs I have open, but paragonhomeloans.com slash Chris Madden. Go on here and just download or apply online. That's pretty I'll cool. Apply online, that one. Yep. And it just go, it basically, does it go to your phone? Do you call them back? Like after they click that, what happens? So what happens is uh, if you click on it, nothing's going to happen. But if you, if you click on it, it'll come up with an application. It would be people put their name in. Um, yeah, give it a little, give it a second here. But it'll, 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 it'll prompt people to put their name in. Um, how much, you know, let's see here. How much they make. They'll ask for employment information. They'll ask for, ask for their current address. You know, all the pertinent information that I need. And when you hit submit, it automatically populates in our mortgage software that we use in Compass. Um, so when that gets submitted, I get a notification that you have submitted an application. And I can go in right from my computer and then take a look at everything. And then that's at that point, I would jump on the phone with you um, to kind of talk about, you know, based on what the financial picture that we have here, this is kind of the best route we should take. Right. 
Right. That's awesome, dude. That's all great information. Dude, that's all the questions I came prepared with. That's Let's it. See. You got okay. anything else? Let's see here. Let me scroll through here. Uh, do I have to pay you anything if I find a house? Oh, dude, I love this question. So when I work with a first-time homebuyer, I love it because they. Uh, some people ask, do I pay you per house I show you? Like, how does your how does your pay work? It's kind of a weird job. Hear me out. I don't get paid until the closing table. So it's kind of a weird gig because there's not many jobs that are out there that you do all this work and then there might be a chance you don't get paid. <laughs> like we might be two weeks out and then someone loses their job. And then I, we don't close at the, we don't get to the closing table. Then I don't, I don't get a paycheck. It's a very weird job. But bes besides that, that you don't have, you're not giving me 20 bucks every time I show you a house. You're not, you're not paying me out of, I get paid at the closing table, just like everybody else. Just like the attorneys, the banks, uh, both agents, seller, everybody gets paid at the closing table, which is a great question because a lot of people don't really know how it works. Um, because it's just a weird job. Could you imagine, imagine being a teacher and you teach like five days a week and then you only get paid if your students pass the yeah. big term <laughs> it'd be chaos yeah. Yeah. but there's brokerages that i hear that pay a salary but i don't think it's worth worth the salt i don't know if how you calculate the salary i don't know how you calculate all that but here in new york for the most part i haven't run into a single brokerage that pays that pays a salary it's basically yeah. you get paid when you close on the house yeah we're, we're the same way right like i don't get paid until your loan closes so if it's a weird business, right? There's yeah. no other business that I can't think of one business that other than ours that you do all this work and there's a chance that you won't get paid. Yeah. Here, yeah. here, I feel like now is the time where everybody floods the comment section and is like, no, it's this job. And then there's this job and then this could happen and this happens. <laughs> Dude, this is sweet. Is there any other questions? Uh, let's see here. Chat. Let's see. Uh, right here. Uh, is there anything you would recommend someone should include in their purchase contract in terms of concessions or contingencies? God damn. These questions are awesome. So in terms of concessions and contingencies, right? This is another conversation that me as a buyer's agent has with you of what suits your needs, right? I can tell you what the current market is like. I can tell you Hey, if you're going to put a full 6% seller's concessions on an FHA loan and we have 10 other offers, it's going to be hard for us to win and we're going to have to do a lot of serious things to make it happen. In terms of contingencies, again, it's another it's another conversation too where I say, here's the options. What do you think suits you the best, right? Like mm -hmm. the home inspection contingency, that counts as a contingency. Do you want to do? Do you want to do your home inspection up against ten other offers? Doing a home inspection is going to give you a lot of great, a lot of great information, and really help you know if you're comfortable proceeding forward with this house, or do you love this house so much you're willing to overlook it and completely waive the inspection? Because chances are, those nine other offers might be, might waive. There might be a couple that are waiving home inspection. Mm -hmm. Hey, Cliff is back. Do mortgages differ between married and unmarried cu couples? 
is it better slash easier to be married first? Hell of a question. Yeah. Um, no, there, there's, there's really no difference, you know, as long as there's, you know, established, you know, relationship, um, I'll say there's a benefit to putting both on the mortgage because then I can use two incomes versus just one income. Right. You know, but it, it let's, let's say, you know, I've had this happen too, where let's say we had a married couple, but you know, maybe the husband's credit score was, was a bad, was a bad, it was below 620. I, I couldn't use it. But the wife's maybe it was above 700, so I could use her income or her, her credit score. So in that case, we'd have to leave the husband off the loan, let her go on the mortgage, and I can only use her income, but the husband can go on title. So he still has ownership in the house. I just can't use him to qualify for the loan. Gotcha. gotcha. Great question, Cliff. Cliff, coming in hot with these questions, dude. You came to the right place. Cliff is yeah, going to be talking to you real soon, too, Chris. That was a really, that was a good question. That's uh, that's all I have. Do you got anything, bro? You got anything else you want to throw in the pot? Let's see here. Will I be working with you individually or with a team? Mm. I don't. Are work you with a full time agent? Full time, yeah. So I don't. I don't work with a team. There's some agents that you know work as a team. Uh, if I get jammed up like schedule wise if i can't make a showing happen i got i got an office full of wonderful amazing people that will help me out and if you want to see that house saturday but i'm not going to be in town i have like 15 other agents i can text and be like hey can you get my buyers in and help them uh kind of just show the property there's some people that work in a team and that's an important question to ask when you start figuring out what agent you work with if you are uh, an individual or on a team. And then the other question is if I'm full-time or not me personally, I'm a full-time agent, but depending on how you define that term, I also work part-time. Uh, I teach every Friday at Taikai and, uh, I work, uh, at runnings a couple days a week, but they've always been sweethearts to me. So if I ever have to go to a showing or bump out, they always allow me to, if there's anybody watching or listening, that works at runnings. They can attest to how great they are because they, uh, they're a bunch of sweeties. It's the only reason why I stuck around, stuck around for so long and to continue like this is also super important because when you start talking about agents that you want to work with, that is, uh, Oh, we lost Chris. There he is. My, Back whole, in. my internet literally just like, Cut Dude, you're good. The whole house. So I was just saying, I was answering your question about the am I a full time agent? So I said, I work, I teach at uh, Taikai once a week. I work at running a couple hours or a couple days a week. They're a bunch of sweethearts to me. If I ever got to leave for a showing, even if it's last minute, they never give me grief. Uh, but that is an important question to ask when you're looking for a real estate agent. There's some people, uh, remember when you work with a real estate agent you're you're gonna be married to them for six months to a year it's really important that you like them as a person because you're gonna be stuck with them for and when i say stuck i mean you could always get a different agent but you know what i'm trying to say you're gonna be working with them for for a long time and for me personally that's why i'm also so transparent on social media is because i think the more glimpses you can see of me you can figure out from afar if you want to work with me or not right it saves me time saves you time and uh, that's just 
that's that's just how that's just who I am. I don't want to. Uh, I don't put on a front to get more clients. I want you to know that I like jujitsu and I like kicking pads and stuff. And here's a cool video of me kicking pads. You don't like martial arts? That's cool, dude. You have so many other agents you can pick from in Central New York. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It makes it sound like I'm like, hey, you don't like you don't like martial arts? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> but finding somebody you mesh with is super important, especially if yeah. you're like a seller's aid, right? Because if you're a seller, you're really you're are in the trenches with that person, going back and forth for man, God knows how long. Get the household right. Yep. Dude, a lot of great questions today, yeah. huh? No, this was good. Yeah, there are a lot of good questions. This was this was really cool. Good. Hopefully, it was helpful so, for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think uh, so this is also going to be available on YouTube. I'm going to upload it here tonight. It'll be a podcast. It'll be actually be tomorrow's episode on uh, the Corey Cast, and um, yeah, I think it stays on Facebook Live for a hot minute. So you guys have a lot of different ways to redigest this, or if you missed the show. You can watch it a bunch of different ways. Uh, Chris, any final cool. thoughts, final words? No, this was great. This was hopefully really helpful for a lot of people. There was a ton of good questions. Cliff was coming out with some bangers. Cliff, <laughs> coming in hot. Yeah, no, that was good. I enjoyed I this. Was fun. Poking questions so we can get out of our house. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Dude, Chris, thank you. I appreciate you and all the work you do for me and my clients. It really yeah. – Really goes noticed. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you too, man. That was, this is great. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. The love and support that you guys show me is such a wonderful thing from the text messages to social media posts. It's just a constant reminder of how many awesome people I have in my life. If you want to support the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, like the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with your friends and tell them what your favorite episode is. If you think yourself or someone you may know would be great on the podcast, reach out to me and we can make it happen. I love putting these out and getting a chance to talk to so many interesting people is so incredible. So thank you for giving me your time, and I appreciate you guys more than I can put into words. I love you people very much.